everybody. This is uh, Reanimated. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Stuart. I am your Californian host from the New York side of things. It's H.A. Conrad. How are you today? I am delightful. Hey, we're, we're uh, if this one sounds a little off, it's because we're recording a little earlier than usual in the day so that um, <laughs> so that we can or I can, I don't know if you're interested, watch the USA Netherlands game, which is on pretty much as soon as we start podcast <laughs> at I our usual you. time. Uh, and I want to make sure that we go through the round of 16. I don't know. Our track record against the Netherlands has been pretty spotty. So, uh, but we have, you know, an inside we man. We made it. Our we coach, made it. Our coach used to play for the Netherlands. So did Serginio Dest. So we have a couple of weapons there. I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's been so much fun watching the World Cup. Have you caught any games? I haven't. I have I have not been able to, but I have been hearing sort of the updates. And I, I admit I was surprised at certain teams that were eliminated. Yeah. Teams that have made the playoffs. It's been yeah. interesting. There have been some very interesting upsets, uh, which is only making Germany. What? Germany's <laughs> out, baby. I mean, this happens, though. Uh, I know. That's the that's the joy of it. Right. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Brazil made it through, but lost their last game in the group stage to Cameroon, I think, which is just like, what? <laughs> Maybe they weren't trying that hard. I don't know. Either way, it's just a fun contest. Uh, so anyway, not here to talk about the World Cup, but sort of, you know, always a little bit. Um, today, we are talking about the final episode of The Walking Dead Prime. I'm. It does give me a little bit of the feels to say that it sent me down some rabbit holes for sure of like when when did this happen how long was this show you know what was this length of the story they were telling and these sorts of thoughts and we'll talk about that a little bit but before we can we'll have a little bit of news to get into yeah the first one was something that i uh, i think i sent it to you on instagram because angela mm-hmm. kang was promoting it but she isn't remember we talked about her going to adapt a book uh yep. and i forget the name of that book but it's mentioned in the hollywood reporter uh, article but that's just one part of this Amazon deal that she is now doing. And I'm just glad that she's getting that recognition from a major, um, yep. you know, de- developer. Uh, so what did, what did you think about the story? Um, I mean, I'm excited to see her doing anything. I really like her a lot. I think she's to me, one of the best showrunners out there and, um, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum, but basically what she did with this franchise, she brought it back from honestly disaster, in my opinion. Um, and I do, you know, even even sort of the things that she was talking about, um, about this last episode and the end of this season and just all the logistics of trying to fit in sort of the stories and wrap up different storylines and move them into like all the artistry that it takes and the the sort of things that it takes to be able to do that and end it well. And, you know, certainly there's a few things I wish that had, had been a little different about the ending, but I don't think you're ever going to be completely happy. Right. Um, but I think that there was such thoughtfulness and I think she pretty much brings that to any franchise she joins. And so, or any project she joins, she's just like, seems like that kind of person. So I'm excited to see her get the recognition. And so, um, this, this is the, um, is it silk? That's what she's going to be. Um, Silk colon spider society is the name of a show uh, that she's a live action, I guess, Um, and animated. I don't know. Uh, But she's basically getting involved in the uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse sort of arena. Yep. Uh, But Silk was a a Korean-American spider person hero who I have no knowledge of. So completely new to me, but she seems very excited about it. She, uh, Angela Kang herself is Korean American. Therefore, I think she feels a little bit of kinship with the, with the character that she's going to be writing and show running for. So that's really cool. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And, um, you know, there's, there's other things she's going to be associated with too. She also has the, um, you know, I'm sure we will see other things uh, that, you know, have her hands in it. Sadly, she kind of she isn't associated any longer with the Daryl spinoff, though she did do a lot of the the legwork in, ter- in terms of developing that. So maybe we'll see a little bit of that. I do have a secret. Um, I don't know, a secret thought that maybe someday she'll come back to some of this or we'll see like some guest spot or something like that. But we'll I see also if it understand. all survives her, man. Like, yeah, well, that's I mean, that's my fear is that this will 
go off into some sort of disaster area. But um, but I also actually like I really respect the thought and her thought that she needs to basically branch out and do other things. And um, so so I can't wait to see what she does with this and with other things. And and I think, you know, I, I definitely have incredible admiration for her. So. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the other two projects that she's working on at the same time as developing Silk. <laughs> is, because because that wasn't enough, you know. Because it's Amazon. I think they're just like, yeah, this no, is great. Like, I'm sure she's getting paid a lot of money to to do all this, but it's a lot of responsibility. So she's also adapting that novel Black Sun, which we had talked yep. about by Rebecca Roanhorse. And then there's another book, uh, The Post-Mortal by Drew Magary. Um, so she has three irons in the fire at least. Um, and so we'll get to see more of her work and that's, that's its own reward. Gosh, we love her so much. Okay. Then AMC is in disarray is my headline. Um, <laughs> but this well, it's was not just, it's not just AMC. I mean, you know, we've been seeing this. Uh, uh, I think that this is, um, I don't want to say that it, it's, it was expected, but I think it was sort of inevitable. Um, if you like look at what all these companies have been pouring into these shows and you and I have talked about how does that even make sense sometimes, like how much money they would be pouring in or, or doing these different projects and things like that. And, you know, there has been a huge shift from just sort of network TV and network projects and things like that. And, Uh, to streaming and there is you know not I don't want to say a reckoning but I think with COVID and with the pandemic and how much people are watching this a lot of people I I don't I I will admit that I'm one of them but you know when everything happened I basically was like well you know what I'm not spending a ton on like live entertainment or going out so I'm just gonna subscribe to all these things and I've now stopped a lot of subscriptions because first of all they raised their prices a lot of them but also I'm not you know I don't have the time to watch these things and I wasn't watching a lot of them and so now I kind of pick and choose and I'll stop subscriptions and start them again and I don't think I'm alone in that um but the pricing has also gone up so for a lot of people they're like well why would I be paying for this thing that I'm not even using um and there is a lot of content out there so yeah that's, I that's think all that fair. Is... It doesn't really reflect. I haven't been doing that. And I probably should be canceling more subscriptions, but it's interesting between this and the, uh, the 28 months later story that we're going to talk about. There's like an interesting sort of thing here where on in that, in that story, they're, they're talking about, well, you know, not a lot of people are going to the movies and we see that like, that's still, yep, that's, that's still the case. And people aren't paying for streaming services. I feel like then there's a vacuum. Like where are people getting, well, their entertainment so so it's not that they're like i think that this is a reaction because things are like the inflation is kind of taking its toll and i think um you know for example before if you had cable television while it was astronomical you like were like okay i have all these channels i have all these packages whatever um i think a lot of people have moved i mean you know i know that i'm definitely in the minority here but I think it's a bigger growing group, um, but a lot of people don't necessarily have televisions or cable packages, and so they kind of cobble it together with this. But now, with how the prices are, it actually ends up being a lot more than some of those things were. Yeah. And so I think that that's probably the calculus. Um, and yes, people going to the movies is down, but I think other things are up. So like, I don't know, outdoorsy things and restaurants and all that stuff. But it's it's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, it with Disney, it's like they didn't hit the projections that they thought they were going to. And this handpicked CEO um, stepped down and uh, Bob Iger, who was the person that that had been in that role for many, many years, has come back. Basically. And it's kind of similar with AMC, too, because Christina Spade is this CEO who just stepped down after three months. She's kind of pulling a Liz Truss. Uh, yeah. And uh, before her, the guy Sapin was Josh Sapin was there for two decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he kind of built up this TV uh, stable of Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead and Mad Men. All of that was on his watch and a bunch of other like less, you know, super high profile. But and then she's in the job for three months and then leaves uh, and they're announcing 20 percent of its workforce getting laid off. So yeah. it does feel kind of I mean- scary. 
And they've had layoffs at uh, Netflix. I, I think Apple probably is also either looking or or has been doing them. I know that Apple's had like a hiring freeze and all of it is definitely focused on sort of like the media and like any any of these kinds of areas. So I, I think that there's going to be, you know, probably a lot of pain before they get to a place where, you know, they feel better about some of these things. But then you have to wonder what's going to happen with all the content, right? Because you can't cut a, for- a workforce and cut these budgets down. Right. Maybe it- narrowing the focus of some of these kinds of um, projects and things like that. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and see and honestly hope for the best, I guess. Yeah. That that's that is a little nerve wracking with three new spinoffs coming yep. next year, right? Like, it what does that I'll mean? admit that's the first thing I thought when I saw this article. I'm like, oh, I don't know how this is gonna go because we've seen we've seen the aftermath of these kinds of decisions. <laughs> so, um, so we shall see what happens. Um, and, and in direct contrast to this story, uh, the la- the final episode of The Walking Dead Prime, the show that we're gonna talk about today resulted in the highest day of viewership ever for mm-hmm. AMC plus. So that does feel a little bit like contradicting what they're saying right. in the AMC story on CNN that we're talking about where they're like, hey, nobody's coming to streaming. You know, we were, we were promised that cord cutters would come to pay for streaming and they didn't. And then uh, turn around and they're, you know, the final episode gets them. I don't know that they actually said the number mm-hmm. in this uh, article, but they were number two, in its in ratings for uh 18 to 49 and 25 to 54 demographics for the 13th year uh and it was a um nielsen i don't know it was 3.1 million total viewers for the season finale which is a which is a huge number it's not like the 17 million that they were at when they started fear the walking dead but nobody is though so yeah. yeah exactly um and also, I have to admit, I, I'm like, they must be um, pretty sad that Angela is making an exit. Just have to say, <laughs> like, she can't be. I mean, she, yes, she's she's great. We we love her. But she, there must be other good showrunners out there. As, mm-hmm. uh, whoever they, uh, you know, they just can't put Scott Gimple back in the driver's seat, I think. Like, he basically, he has his moments of, of brilliance, but I don't think he... Because he basically wrote the Savior War. He wrote everything after, uh, oh, I'm forgetting all their names now, but Glenn Mazzara, I think, was the showrunner at some point after Frank Darabont left. Uh, and then Scott Gimple took over and did pretty well for a couple seasons, but then it got pro- progressively worse. So they just have to find somebody else. Yeah. That's where I come in on that one. Um, so I don't know. Well, you know, obviously a series finale is going to draw people back. I, I've never understood this, how people, more people come to watch the last episode of, of a show than, you know, like they clearly had to have no idea what's going on probably. Right. They just want to see if Rick's in it or yeah, something yeah, I like know, that. I know. Uh, yeah. So that's an odd story, but apparently they must've gotten them a little bit hopeful. Uh, finally, we have, so I heard about this. I was We've hanging out with some people. I mean, we've talked about, about versions of this before, but yeah, this specifically, yeah. I heard about uh, last weekend. I was at the beach with some people and they were like, oh, yeah, you hear they're going to make an, another sequel to 28 Days Later. Um, and and they got Killian Murphy to be in. I was like, what, really? Because that was new. That's the new part to me. We've talked about Alex Garland. We've talked about Danny Boyle. And they seem to do an article every two years, right? <laughs> Where they're like, right. it'd be cool to make another and they, movie. And they like tease it, right? Like yeah. it's ridiculous. So now it's this this article doesn't actually really mention Alex Garland. It mentions Danny Boyle and Killian Murphy. And Killian Murphy is in the same boat. They're all looking back at this film with nostalgia and the sense that this was like one of the coolest things they've done and they want to do more with it. That's the that's the impression that I get. Yeah, and they both say, um, they're they're ready to return and it would be written by Alex Garland and who has apparently oh he's already written a script for it that's right yeah but he's not quoted uh they're just like not which I'm like hmm anyway it's on their minds it's definitely on their minds and (laughs) and they're talk part of that like movie theater versus streaming whatever discussion uh Danny Boyle talks about like hey if you're gonna get people to come back to the theater you need to have like a Marvel movie or a Top Gun Maverick. Uh, these are the sorts of titles that are actually bringing people to the theater. 
uh, and maybe a 28 months later would would have that same sort of pull. That's kind of his reasoning behind it. He's like, it could be a good time to do this. Yeah. And I mean, basically, Boyle said that the the script was completed a couple of years ago and it had a lovely idea and that he'd be very, quote unquote, tempted to direct it. So, you know, so I don't know. It's um, they seem optimistic. But again, this is like one of those things that, you know, I think we have to take with a slight grain of salt until we actually see something happening. Um, because, you know, I think uh, I, I think they would have to pay Danny Boyle and, and, and Killian Murphy a lot of silly and Murphy a lot of money. But we shall see. Um, so, uh but anyway, it was good to see them at least being optimistic about it. So I guess we're one step closer versus the, yeah, I'd be kind of interested in doing that someday. Yeah, this really yeah. is just like a, a two steps forward, no progress made. Sort yeah, of, correct, correct. Sort of dance. Um, we d- we'll just report back on it in about six months when we, there's another article. <laughs> when they tease us with another article, right? Maybe it'll be, um, what, what's the... Gleason guy who was in the film who actually died, but maybe yeah, he'll come right. in and be like, "Hey, I'd like to do a sequel to." What was his first name? Isn't it Brendan Gleason? Brendan Gleason, thank you. Yeah, he's the only other actor in this whole project that I can remember his whole name. Um, I used to know. I don't know how you'd bring him back, though. Like, no, I'm just saying, yeah. like it's it's improbable. Uh, but it would be Selena or the other Hannah. I think was the girl. Yeah, yeah. Those two characters might have to come back with. Uh, with Killian Murphy. Uh, but there, there, it's been 20 years. Yep. God only knows. Okay. So are we ready to talk about Rest in Peace? We are. The aptly named final episode of The Walking Dead. Um, so this written by, well, the story was by Angela Kang, then teleplay by Corey Reed and Jim Barnes, and directed by Greg Nicotero. Greg Nicotero also has a cameo. I'm sure you saw him. He's in the, like one of the last scenes of the episode. Yep. Yep. Uh, as a zombie. And apparently um, Carl Grimes himself, Chandler Riggs, is in this episode as in a background scene wearing a hat because he was visiting set and was persuaded to. Oh, I did not see in. that. I, I went back and looked at all the crowd scenes that I could and I was no, I didn't find I didn't see him anywhere. But uh, yeah, Chandler Riggs is apparently in this uh, episode, too. Which is a sweet uh, element um, so one, yeah, let's just start. Uh, then, then I want to talk about some meta stuff. All right. Uh, we left off with, uh, our, the gang had broken into the train station and been shot up, including Judith and that had fled into the streets where, uh, Pamela Milton was ordering like blockades to be put up to channel the zombies into the poor neighborhoods so that they could defend, the estates from the zombie horde that she had brought uh, to their doorstep and then removed all the guards from the walls because clearly she's a strategic genius uh, and has it all figured out. Yeah. Uh, So when this episode begins, it's with Daryl, who's been cut off from the rest of the gang, running with Judith in his arms into the hospital. And uh, this... I don't want to stay negative or be too negative on this episode, but there were a bunch of things in here that kind of bothered me. Um, And then this scene, it was the fact that Daryl gets beat up by two random CW soldiers who are like carrying stuff. Yeah. He's just like, he's tougher than that. Right. Yeah. And also I just don't think that they would do it. I don't know. Um, Yeah. He's a lot like, their whole thing with Daryl and this just that. Yeah, that definitely was upsetting to me. I'm like, that's no, there's just no way. And especially with the adrenaline rush he's got going on, I just don't buy it. But, you know, uh, and it's off. It's off camera, too, which yep. is just a, that's it, doing him dirty. So poor Judith, who's been shot in his delirious loss of blood, has to go and close the hospital doors because the zombies are trying to get in. And uh and she manages it and then she passes out and uh and then we go back to the alleyway where our heroes are fighting their way out of the crowd but not before and quite quickly Jules gets um bit uh Luke is like don't worry we're just going to be fine let's get out of here and then he and he gets grabbed she gets completely like mobbed and then he gets bit uh but he gets yeah. saved well, he gets saved long enough to, you know, not get eaten by the hordes. I was like, somebody just take poor Jules out. That, that's terrible. 
Yeah, they didn't even. I mean, I think they were headshot or anything. It was terrible. They're panicking. Uh, Um, Yeah, this was this was a little bit predictable. I think did we talk? Did we say at the end of last episode if it was Luke and Jules who were going to go out? I think we did. um, But we also mentioned like twelve people. So well, I thought Luke and Jules, and I thought Rosita and Gabriel. You did mention. I remember you mentioning Rosita and Gabriel. Uh, but yeah, so Luke and Jules don't make it past the first 10 minutes of the episode, uh, mm-hmm. but they're mentioned later, you know, so they that's they got that going for them. Um, Daryl, well, there's also there's also a reunion between Luke and his little gang, you know, the OG. So you got Magna and um, um, that that whole gang surrounding him when he dies and promising to keep his music going, which I thought was like, uh, he at least got this moment, which I think would have been more um, like weighty if he hadn't been disappeared for the most, (laughs) if he hadn't just like kind of reappeared because I don't know that a lot of people would remember that whole thing. Right. So that's true. He did have the whole Stradivarius episode written kind of around his character, but that was a long ass time ago. It's a really long time ago. So, you know, no. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's it's the weight of this is diminished by a Jules was never really a character on this show. She was mentioned by him a lot when yeah. he was about to go and live with her. And then he left. God knows when episode 15 or so or less of uh, of season 10, like 25 episodes ago. And I, I'm having a really tough time remembering stuff that happened before halfway through this season because of how yeah. long it was. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the 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 weight of Luke and Jules exiting is a little bit under uh, undermined, but it is still a very touching scene with all four of the women. Well, five, no, four. Yeah. Yumi, Yumi, Magna, Connie and Kelly all like basically bawling their eyes out over his body. Um, and also, what do you think, H.J., of the uh, it's kind of like a tradition now. Somebody dies on uh, The Walking Dead and whoever's like standing close to the head, it feels like it's handed a knife. Yep. <laughs> yes, they do. And then that's <laughs> it. Um, it's just like, why would you why would you uh, delegate that? Yeah. Just, if you've got the knife, why can't you just step up and do the job? Because handing the knife to somebody else it's just it feels it feels cold I don't know. maybe maybe you tried to get away from being the one near the head then i don't yeah, know you should always stand by the feet Stand by the feet <laughs> you don't have the the duty um and it's, then it's, you know sort of watching all this is daryl and obviously uh judith's in in some bad shape um what's so weird daryl like daryl's face yeah Daryl is too, but like she's in really bad shape. And it's so bizarre to me because like they're not showing like how bad her shoulder wound is. We just know it's like bleeding and they don't not that. I mean, maybe they did something that we didn't see, but it doesn't seem like they're doing a ton to kind of like. No. Do first aid on her. (laughs) It's magically handled. Like they put blood into her. Uh, is all they really do. And then they give her to Tommy later and he fixes her up and she's actually walking around. I told you Tommy was going to save her. Yeah. There you go. Um, but why isn't also, he in the hospital? And how do they find him know. later? Like suddenly he's exactly. just in this and place. Also, but also Daryl's a universal donor. Like of course. Of course he is. Of course he is. Um, I did, you know, one of the things I did really like about this is that they did a lot of callbacks to Rick being stuck in the hospital. And I almost thought that that oh, was going to happen here is that they were going to leave her board boarded up in that room because they remember, totally like, Rick Judith. They I, I, ricked I, Judith. And it was like, all right, I, I can see what you're doing here. And I'm, I'm all right. Okay. And then they didn't leave her there. And I'm like, Oh, thank goodness. Cause that just would have been terrible. Um, but um, I enjoyed those callbacks. I thought that that was pretty clever. Um, yeah, and- that was. You know, they, they I also like right. that Daryl uh, did a call back to Merle saying like, yeah, yeah Merle used to make me sell my blood yeah. <laughs> as a kid. And, well, I like that they at least gave an explanation for how he knew that, you know, yeah. how he, that he was a universal donor. But um, but then the zombies are breaking in. Right. Uh, and we also have a scene here interspersed before the hospital breakout scene of a prison breakout scene because Mercer's in jail in his prison overalls with a zombie right outside his cell which means that basically this herd has infiltrated a secure facility somehow 
Yeah. Um, which which could be explained away by the CW guys left their doors open. Right. But that's dumb because, again, like zombie. Well, actually, these zombies can open doors. They can open doors. So maybe it's some of the door openers. Maybe it's a door opener. That could be it. And then they were just they like beelined to Mercer's cell through this like labyrinth of a dungeon. Uh, but yeah, Princess blows the door open in such a way that would have killed her lover. And well, all of them, I think it would have killed her too. So, you when, know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They they had explosives and they were going to use them by God. So they uh, they get Mercer out. And that's fantastic news. Uh, Maggie and Negan have a little exchange where she doesn't want his help. Uh and there's scenes of people loading up trucks. It's there's there's a lot going on. There's like it keeps kind of flashing to scenes of our heroes. They're all kind of spread out doing stuff, being helpful. Uh, Eugene and Gabriel and Rosita go to the school for children without families and mm-hmm. find it overrun. This is a pretty scary scene, mostly because yep. it has babies. Yep. Uh, and, you know, it's pretty rough. It's rough. And Rosita goes in like a badass and she clears this room, firing the gun maybe more than she needs to next to babies because that could really damage their hearing. Yeah. Uh, but saves the day and uh, they they are like, we got him. And um, and then they're they're going to leave. They uh, then they go back to the hospital, uh, which is when Daryl, Rick's Judith uh, extras are getting eaten. Yep. There's they're barely even like they're they don't even get enough screen time to really register who they are even at all before they're getting eaten. Like we haven't even seen these people who are getting dragged out and they're red shirts. They're red shirts. I mean, that's but red shirts at least get to go down on with the away team and like you see them in the transporter, right? Yeah, these people you haven't even seen these people are just chum. They're just like they show up. The only time that they show up is when they're being dragged out of the hospital to be eaten. eaten. Yep. It's it's really fast, but they don't have a lot of time. They got a lot to do in this episode, so they don't have time to to, to let us characters or let us know these people. It's yeah. true. I was just thinking they could probably be doing this to the actual cast. Uh, I'd be okay if more people on the cast got killed in this episode. They never know what the spinoffs are going to be. They can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know when you're going to need some of these people to show up in Fear the Walking Dead or other stuff, right? I just feel like this is going to sound really heartless, but. Connie, Kelly, Yumi, and Magda all could have died in this scene, and it would have been well, it would have been sad, but it would have been okay because well, they don't uh, really matter later on. I will admit to you, I really did think they were going to kill off Connie because I thought that that would be sort of the lead-in for Daryl's. Right. Well, let's talk about they, that at the end. Let's talk more about that. Do that. So. Yeah. So. Okay. Then there's the the very problematic drain pipe scene of. Uh, <laughs> Eugene, Gabriel, and Rosita, all with babies strapped to them and baby Bjorns, uh, trying to escape a horde. Uh, Rosita falls. And and this is, it's like a two, three second clip. Not not even, it's probably less than three seconds. She clearly falls onto a big black uh, bag to to soften the blow. (laughs) Like you can see it, you can see it puffing yeah. out when she lands on it and then she stands up on concrete mm-hmm. right <laughs> which in the bag's gone like i'm just like how did nobody see that that's not like a starbucks cup no, no. in, in it, game it, of thrones this yeah, is no. worse to me yeah I, I don't know but it was very obvious i was like whoa okay we're going we're doing this okay cool cool um and so of course she fights her way out Coco is miraculously unscathed, but uh, weirdly, much like Carl, she sustains a bite in her back, which, okay. We don't Um, know about that for a little while, but yeah. We don't, but it doesn't seem to be, I don't know, like, given where it is. She fell on her back, yeah. Maybe, but given where she is and where, I mean, I think it would be pretty obvious that it was there because, I mean, it's not. Anyway, Um, but. We don't find out about that for a while. I do like how they handle this. And apparently um, um, this was actually an idea. There wasn't an idea to kill her off. Apparently Um, this was uh, her idea. Um, So I wasn't an idea to kill her off. 
I don't think they were planning to kill her off. They weren't um, planning on killing anybody from the main cast in the final Maybe episode. they were. Maybe they were, but I don't think it was originally supposed to be her. Um, and so... Uh, She's as good a contender as anybody, honestly. Uh, Christian Serratos, um, apparently she was like, she pitched the idea to them and they were like, oh, that makes sense. And... Basically, she said, you know, this is sort of one of these, this was the big story, like all the stuff about her fighting for her daughter and trying to get through it and making sort of the ultimate sacrifice, but also having to leave her daughter in the care of basically this family that is not by blood, but family that has been forged by this whole experience. Um, And I thought actually that that was kind of a cool idea in that she she's leaving uh, her daughter in the care of Eugene and Gabriel basically. And that that's, those are the people that are there and saying goodbye to her. And, and there's this, so, so that actually I thought was a pretty, like not the way she got bitten, whatever, but her ending I thought was, was actually a, a really hard and poignant thing that they did. And I, and I didn't, I thought that that was actually a pretty cool thing. It was Again, one I, of the better parts of the episode. Yeah. The, the, it's kind of like after all the action is done that long, that dinner mm-hmm. scene, which I don't know how they got this dinner together. Maybe it was just, there's always food like that in the comic book. Maybe, maybe there's like a, a, a whole pig, several chickens worth of food on this table. Um, and and yeah, like her just looking around the room and and like taking it all in and just looking happy. It reminds me of kind of like Bob's outro scene in the church, yeah. except that was way more grim. Yeah, uh, but he he went out pretty happy too. It felt like, or at least satisfied. Well, there's also the moment because Judith knows, like Judith figures it out, and there's just that moment, and you it's can't get anything sad. past Judith, and it's pretty sad, and like. Yeah. But even just like her telling Gabriel and how she tells him in this, it's it was really well done. And it, it definitely I mean, it, at least it pulled at my heartstrings. I was like, OK, this this is actually just um a beautiful way to do it. Um, And even how, you know, the end, the end, I was like, you know, I did have a moment because they like bring her up into the, the room because she's like kind of failing and, and Gabriel brings Coco and and brings her out and I'm like oh thank goodness they don't leave the poor little baby in the bed well, she, she was so close to just dying in that scene I know too. I was like oh. um, do you remember um, in the first season the, the mechanic the guy who was digging all those graves and then ended up getting bit Yep. when he was dying like, oh, I he, know. he couldn't even I know. be in the RV because it felt like his bones were all made of glass I forget what yep. he was saying yeah, but it was yeah. like he was in so much pain that he couldn't yep. even be in the car he had to get yep. out uh, well, maybe it affects people differently. I don't know. Yeah, she. She. Uh, I was honestly like, maybe she's immune because she looks good until yeah. the scene where she's being helped into the room by two two people, yeah. and then you're like, oh, okay, yeah, she's she's on her way out. But I didn't expect her to like lie down on the bed and be dead two minutes later. Yeah, they did it. They gave her a pretty graceful exit versus other people. Um, but I did like how it was Eugene there at the end, and she even said, "I'm She's, glad it's you." It was very yeah, sweet. That was a little. Um, it was. It was mostly. What, what did I write here? It was like there's music that you would hear in a massage parlor. <laughs> it, that um, music was very strange. I I did not understand that. But and cool, it's her cool. saying something super saccharine like that. It felt just a slightly heavy handed. Uh, it felt heavy ended, but I wasn't bothered by it. I wasn't fussed by it. And, you know, I the journey that those two have come together, I thought it was nice to give them that last little moment. So I thought that was all right. But yeah. um, no, it was it was good. Um, we, So other things that have been happening in intermixed and before this are uh, more arguments between Maggie and Negan. Um about who gets to shoot Pamela Milton, which is kind of a silly thing for them to be arguing about. I don't get it, uh, but they do need well, to have this conversation. They do. I also think that part of it is because Negan does not want Maggie to get killed, and he's actually in his own way, and he says this overtly later, is yeah, that he, he does. is trying to make up for what he did, even though there is no possible way to make up for that. So I I did not think that that was... That um, part but makes terrible. sense. I'm not arguing with, with that. It's the if you shoot Pamela Milton, you're going to get killed, uh, which I don't 100% agree with, because right. who is who is overtly on her side? It's It's... It's she's more and more evil. Like there's no there. It doesn't take a lot to persuade Vickers to switch, right? 
Oh. Maybe if they had shot her before any of that dialogue got to happen at right. the, the gate, it wouldn't have gone that way. But for okay. him to be like, oh, no, if you shoot Pamela, it's going to go so, so badly for you. I also thought he was making an argument like, oh, you don't want this murder on your on your conscience. And I'm like, it's Maggie. She murders people all the, all time. the time. She's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, but I do agree that like the uh, I'm trying to make up for you, make it up for you when I was on my knees with the warden. Um, I finally understood what it was to be in your shoes, and I can't believe I did that to you. Just, yeah, like, it's a little mind-boggling that Negan, with the baseball bat, didn't know what he was doing to people. I, I find that a little... He's a smart guy. And, like, well, unless it was, know, like, a psychotic break or something. I don't... Well, I think in some ways it was, because he lost his wife so horribly, and I think that he on some level new but not really and probably was just acting out all these like things without really taking the weight of it and i mean he was quite cavalier with a lot of stuff i mean all the wives all the mm -hmm. like torture and stuff i mean we're not talking about a normal human right so like he or at least didn't when he was acting in that capacity um so yeah i think you could make a pretty good argument for the fact that he was not mentally normal <laughs> when all that stuff was happening yeah but now he's having to face all of that and it's weighing pretty heavily on him and i think i actually really liked how they did this because her response is incredibly good too again i think they have pro to me the strongest scene in this episode that whole thing between them i think was one of the strongest scenes um and was a very satisfying one, honestly, um, because with, with her just taking the gun and saying, are you coming that that part? No, uh, the one late when they when he says, I can't believe what I took from you. And this is at the basically after when she was just like, I know that you're trying. I can see that you're trying and you've earned your place here. But oh, yeah, yeah, like all that is, you know, these but that these scenes leading up to that help build it. But um it's it, there is an uneasy piece with them um but it's not like it's not like you're gonna snap your fingers and they're gonna be totally fine with each other right so it's interesting and it was a smart thing to do because it's complicated and layered and this relationship especially and obviously since they have a spinoff show um we're probably gonna see more of that but this was one of the most interesting dynamics to watch um so that was kind of cool um yeah uh, somehow our gang has also ended up inside the estates i mean they have enough insiders to get know, in. back ways in i guess rose has shown up max is with them mercer's obviously with them but that was not a hundred percent clear to me until suddenly they're walking up behind milton uh at the gates when the rest of the citizens are all locked out Mm -hmm. um i yeah it's, it's just like i mean sure it's not gonna like take me a while to figure out that that's where they are but i wasn't aware that that's where they were i thought they were outside looking in but they're actually inside looking yeah in also <laughs> i thought that too and also you know even with the people who are outside trying to get in there's not honestly that many of them no. and maybe that, that wasn't maybe that wasn't like intentional or maybe there were supposed to be people uh, like, but i'm kind of like i don't really understand the reasoning for keeping them out because it's not like there isn't enough room for them in there and also it isn't like the, the, at that point the horde was far enough away that it wouldn't be overrun so yeah. this thought process seems really strange to me um well and, this is more justification for milton being i know i know like if she'd let people in it would have been harder for them to uh <laughs> to unseat her, her yeah. right uh, but because they weren't letting in the 30 people at the gate, or it was probably more like 100. But it was also funny because like in when we get to the scene of everybody trying to persuade Milton not to be a bad guy, they're like, you're going to hand, like hand gesture out to the gate. You're going to kill thousands. And I'm like, there's no, that's no. like, that's like I maybe 100. I, I actually wrote in my notes, I was like, thousands? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I think if, if there maybe were thousands... Dozen. Maybe nine hundred, maybe like nine thousand of them have already been eaten, but uh, mm -hmm. there's only a couple people there. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm I'm wondering if that was one of the scenes where uh, Chandler Riggs was because there were quite a few crowd actors there. Yeah, uh, but I, again, I could not pick him out. Um, so this the scene of like trying to persuade Vickers or 
uh, slash Milton to open the gates kind of all unfolds here with Maggie and Negan looking out at it all with a with a sniper rifle, um, trying to figure out if they're they're going to shoot. And, you know, every I feel like too many people get a bite of the apple here um, of, yeah. of of being like, stop. And it's 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 not to like the fourth one of those, which is Daryl, that uh, it seems to like tilt the, the, yeah. the scales. But it's like this felt very weird. Like we have to give every single person a moment to shine or a moment to. Yeah talk about and it was just like oh my gosh like the horde's coming closer just somebody take her out and open the gate because at this point she's not even like uh, i don't know that felt a little like too that felt clunky to me yeah because honestly when you're in like a chaotic uh panic moment one person yelling stop is not gonna get everybody to turn and look at you you know and like like pamela milton while she has been ordering her troops to shoot Gabriel and all kinds of other people already, and they're not doing it. Um, yeah, I guess there's not a whole lot of other cards she has unless she has her own gun. She can start shooting people herself, which she never does. Uh, but she's like, looks at Daryl when he yells, stop. And you tried to set up the right. world it, like the way it used to be. And that was your biggest mistake. Right. And yeah, I guess I'm not that satisfied with, Maybe well, it's maybe it's felt- perfectly satisfying. Like she just keeps looking and listening to people when they talk to her. But uh, there's no Negan in jail moment here. It's not as no. satisfying as that, I guess. No, and I guess part of it is I think they were uh, like trying to do too much and give too many people, um, like the spotlight. And I, you know, it, it, to me, it was like, well, decide which theme you're going to pursue here. I do think that the the redemption of Gabriel as like you know he's the person that basically left his entire congregation out to die and was terrified and to have him be the one open the gates I was like oh that's a kind of a nice idea oh, but that then is just... that is really good I had not put that together but... and then and then there's like but then they just keep going with it and it's sort of like you're just like beating a dead horse like, even Judith is there I'm like yeah Judith was yeah. shot like two hours ago can we please let her rest she yes. does not need to be here no and and nor would she be because she probably I mean she was just barely conscious before so yeah. I thought that that Gabriel scene I'm like oh that makes sense great but then they kept going and going and going and I'm like oh no not everything it, they just threw everything in here <laughs> like so that was a little I I thought that could have use some tweaking but i think you know i think they were just trying to to give some fans satisfaction but it did not give me satisfaction so yeah um, throughout this uh up to this point we've also had aaron and lydia show back up as part of the herd like they must have gotten out of the rv and just walked in uh elijah pops up in around this point he's part of the crowd outside the gate and jerry mm-hmm. kind of ambles up too uh looking for nabila who is in Alexandria with his family, apparently. So pretty much all those guys turn out fine, except Lydia doesn't have a hand, but uh, mm-hmm. they're all fine, except for Luke and Jules. So so that's, so that's there's Hornsby shows up at the gate too. Yeah, right? yeah. Josh Hamilton gets like one last little uh, cameo. And Pamela Milton almost feeds herself to him in some sort Which of weird... I'm- and I thought this was strange because it's like totally she would have gotten bitten here. Like there's no question about it. Um, but they have her snatch her hand back at the last moment. Well, they also have Maggie, I think, sniper Hornsby's face off uh, is really true. what happens at the last moment. True, true. But still, it seems like she and people would've... don't seem to be doing anything like they've shut the gates. They've got the zombies on the outside. The people, all hundred of them are inside. But what they should be doing is stabbing faces at this point or shooting faces. Right. But they're oh. they're just like not doing anything. Uh, and then we switch to this like there's a sudden like smash cut to uh, Mercer taking charge voiceover exposition. Now we're going to save the town. We have to get the fuel depot. We have to get the PA system. We have to do shields in the town square. Another one for, one more town square scene for the Commonwealth <laughs> for our sins. But also no ice cream, though. No ice cream. Um, but okay, they're they're gonna blow up this whole thing. They have this much fuel to do this. I mean, isn't there a better way? Couldn't you just border them in and just do some kind of an operation? Because yeah, heard them, heard them, and get you know. And they'd say they say part of the reason for not doing this is that the weird you know the climby zombies 
the the mutants are in there and they don't want to risk them getting out but this much fuel to waste this much fuel but also the danger of like starting a massive forest fire or having this go out of control is very real and it just feels like an odd thing to do but but what they do what helps them is that they get to blow up the rich part of town so realizing (laughs) realizing their socialist (laughs) manifesto of uh, having eliminating classes yes okay (laughs) and it's faster than a whole set piece about leading a horde um, away from the commonwealth that would have just taken too long so they get to blow them all up including blowing up their sewers and all those homes Um, and they do it to in living color there, so I thought that the switch suddenly to this voiceover exposition over the radio felt a little clunky to me. Uh, yeah. But they, I guess they oh, just wait, want to wrap wait, it all up fast. Wait, over the radio, walkie-talkies. I know. Mm. Yeah. My uh, fave. Yeah. We also get to have these scenes of like regular Joes holding the shields up, the riot shields, and like doing some of the stuff that the Alexandrians had been practicing against the the Whispers. Yeah. But that was kind of interesting. Uh, and like Aaron out there, you know, marshalling people. Um, and then the next scene, I think, is uh, Milton in her cell and uh, Carol. And uh, I forget who else was there, maybe Daryl, giving her a little talking to. And she's telling Carol, like, OK, watch out. That looks really hard to to lead. You're going to have to make tough choices. Uh, uh, who's going to get the nicer house? Who's going to get who's going to do the job nobody wants to do? And Carol's just like woman we've been doing this for a while and the hardest decision we've had to make was not killing you and at least nobody has to worry about uh if they're gonna have to move into your house because we blew it up yeah. um it, it, like it, i i am somewhat satisfied by this but i i don't know what i wanted out of milton's incarceration she does look just look pissed off and i guess that's that's all i get and that's gonna have to be good enough yeah um and then you know, I mean, she is alone, like her, everybody's sort of dead that were her supporters. So, uh, or it's switched. So or have t- turned turncoats. Yeah. Uh, it's noticeable that the white uh, uniforms of this Commonwealth soldiers get phased out from here on out. Yeah, there are, uh, I think there might be one or two of them in these scenes, but then the next time we see them, they are actually on scarecrows out in the fields. Yep. yep. Uh, which I think was, it's probably a good move. Um but it, it's noticeable in the final scenes of the episode because there's like no guards on the walls. There right. are people, but it's like Carol and Judith or whoever. Right. It's there are yeah. no there are Just no like randoms. Take care of the whole thing. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah, and I think they showed that uh, two or three guards cannot actually defend these walls against mm-hmm. zombie threats these days. But there aren't any zombies in sight, and it's just lavender for for miles. Um, right. They also well, well when they they sort of so it's like Rosita dies and then yeah. they kind of phase into this a year later yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly uh, suddenly everything is light and glowy and well they've yeah they just they, they crank up the saturation right saturated with color yeah. um, you know people look like they've showered it's uh, Carol's hair is short again Carol's hair is short mm. yep and uh, uh, Max's hair is longer. And they have a baby named Rosie. Mm-hmm. God knows where Coco is, but she must be around here somewhere. Um, this this scene that they kind of go to is a little weird. It's Ezekiel making a speech with his lieutenant governor. He's the governor. Mm-hmm. His lieutenant governor is Mercer, who is just like in a suit. Uh, there aren't a lot of people at this event. No, whatever this is. again, there's like a couple 20? of others or something. <laughs> it's not, it's a lot. <laughs> like if the governor shows up anywhere you better have a packed house you know Uh, there's just like a handful of people there's these like wavy curtains in the background it it feels a little too much it's a little extra and it's also not enough (laughs) that makes sense yeah it's it's a little too utopian uh but fine you know let's give them a minute They, they even come out on the nose and say daryl you deserve a happy ending too like clearly they're just trying to make this a happy ending for most of this cast yep um but daryl's like you know 
Daryl's gonna take off into the drive off in the sunset. We get a little love you from him and Carol and a friendship kind oh, that of was, way. Yeah, that was nice, wasn't it? Which was very nice. Um, You're you my know. best friend. I love you, man. Yep. That tugged on the heartstrings, and I wonder. But, you know, they they wrote probably a lot of this scene knowing that Melissa McBride was out of the spinoff, and, and so it did feel very like sad and sweet and bittersweet and. You know, but weirdly, he has a very just like a ah, okay, Connie, see you later kind of a thing. Nothing, right? Like, you know, well, that was weird. They have this hug. They still have this connection. Do, but but he has. Like, he, it's like completely platonic now. Yeah. Um, Which is so so strange. So she's clearly not going to be in the spinoff. I don't know no. why she couldn't be. I feel like Lauren Ridloff would be a great addition. Yeah, I love her. She's got other projects. I don't know. I hope she's in other stuff, and I'll and I'll be excited to see what she does. But that would have been very cool if she had sort of continued on. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe, but I I agree. I think we probably would have heard if she was supposed to be in some of these. So we'll have to see. Yeah, and maybe you know, like when he had his whole Leah side plot, um, they were just they were just like, all right, we're gonna shelve anything with Connie. Uh, because you know she deserves better than sloppy seconds for from like this mercenary assassin woman. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know why they would because they were. I feel like they were developing that until Connie got blown up in the in the caves, mm. and then it kind of like went away when Connie was off the show totally. for a few seasons or for a season and a half or however long it was. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. So Lydia and Elijah are basically like the postal service for this new yeah. community. I guess so. They're just delivering packages to everybody. They give uh, Judith a compass from Negan who writes a note about like finding your way or blah, blah. I don't know. It's whatever. Uh, then they go to Alexandria and they're handing packages to uh, Gabriel, get something from the church in the Commonwealth. And Aaron makes a statement about like, I didn't think we could have this again. Uh, and, and Gabriel's like, no, we've got it all because we've got the future. We've got the present. I don't know. I forget exactly what he says. It's a little bit of a, mm -hmm. it's, this is all a little bit too saccharine, uh, yeah, but they, they all deserve this because they've had so few positive scenes. It's still like, I may be a little heavy handed, but. Yeah, I think it was a little, a little heavy handed. And then they go to Hilltop uh, to deliver more mail mm -hmm. um, and more goodbyes. And, uh, and Maggie wants to talk about the future. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, and I think that's. And then Daryl drives off into the into the um, very bright and colorful scenery, uh, and we he drives past a Greg Nicotero zombie. Yep. On the road is like the last thing he does, and then we go to um, kind of some weird scenes to finish yep. up. Well, tell me yep. your impressions of these. So. Um... You know, I think the intention was to make it seem like Michonne and Rick were around a fire together, which I was like, obviously, they're not. <laughs> so so they're probably different things in the way that they were shooting it. I like that they got both of them for this. Um, I did see because I was trying very hard not to sort of um, spoil myself before I saw this. So I did read about it afterwards. And I guess um, Angela Kane had some other ideas and she had wanted to incorporate them more into this episode, but just couldn't do it with what they were trying to wrap up and maybe some logistics in terms of shooting. Um, but um, we have both Michonne and Rick pretty much saying the same things. And they did do a big old like sort of montage of all the characters that had been on The Walking Dead um, which I thought was pretty cool, um, all, both dead and alive. And um, I did think it was like a, a pretty lovely tribute, but we see that Rick has been, you know, he's been taken by the CRM. He's got like the um, kind of like the jacket with the insignia on it and has been trying to escape. And we figure out, you know, he basically at the last minute throws his boots and his phone and bag up onto the boat, which is where Michonne found it. And then she's looking for him too out there. And um, they kind of try to explain why, but this is sort of an explanation for like why both have not come back to get their kids, which is something that has been bothering us, I think for a while that they just, the way they wrote them off the show doesn't make total sense to us. So I guess in this way, they tried to explain that, um, that they were both, that Michonne's just on the hunt for him and still hasn't found him. But um they do show her like kind of 
going into this insane zombie horde like on a horse yeah. like like she looks like a knight now too honestly it's a little bit like uh it's a little like kingdom um she's not wearing a hat but she is wearing some elaborate costume it's like a um, like that um kendo or what what's that japanese uh sword yeah. martial art yeah she has yeah, like yeah. one of those helmets on she has chain mail she uh, i mean do you remember the last time we saw her it was in um season 10 mm-hmm. uh where she meets up with two humans uh, two humans she meets up with these two people who are injured <laughs> and and they're like please help us they're gonna leave without us and then you yep, like, look yep, over yep. and there's this like crazy caravan of hundreds of people maybe thousands and there's a lot of horse noises and it seems like a, a mobile community and so she goes to join with them and uh and now apparently she's a knight and and she's charging into yeah that's an insane herd that's like some yeah, like uh, that's not a herd you charge into like that's would, just not no survival. but i guess i guess it's badass of her to ride into it but it also well, feels self-defeating yeah and then they've got rick being you know taken again and this sort of you know faceless voice saying you know i mean it's but- it's Jan carlos esposito yeah. is who that is that yeah. right 100 yeah. sounds like him he's not credited no, but it's, but it's Moff Gideon. It's Gus Fring. Yep. It's the it's that voice. We'll see if he shows up in the future. Yep. Yep. Um. But in any case, you know, saying that, you know, it's futile. Resistance is futile, basically. Um. But you know, that's to see them both at the end was kind of nice to have them in. I just wish. I kind of agree. I wish they'd been incorporated more that it wasn't just this weird little like one off thing. But, you know, at least we got a little something and I'm OK with that. And we got a little gonna... something. And, you know, I guess they have to set up for, you know, there was supposed to be feature films. Now there's a series. Um, so I guess we'll have to see how that goes. But I haven't heard anything more about that for a while. Um But then they gave us this huge like teaser of all the shows, you know, the 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 Negan and and um um Maggie show the Daryl show the um a little bit more Fear the Walking Dead and guess you know we saw that return right um in that show we see somebody that they had killed off and they had to bring uh, back so yeah but we're not going back to that show that show's dead to I me. don't think we can but I don't know that kind of tempted me just to see how they do it but um in any case they've got a lot going on and they tried to leave on a high note um that there this isn't the end basically and so you know but I you know this this got me a little bit this was the last of the OG series uh so I was definitely feeling gone. Yeah, I was definitely feeling that. Um, one of the things that I went to look at after it ended, and just looking at like Daryl and Carol have both aged because it's actually been twelve years in real life yeah. too. Like these yeah, actors have kidding. aged. I yep. think Norman Reedus kind of still had a bit of youthfulness to him when he started this role. He did. Um, <laughs> no now, longer. Now he's got a little bit of crinkle around his eyes. Yeah, you know? he does. He does. Uh, and maybe I don't know if that was you know makeup or, or if they put something else into it. But he he definitely like his little soul patch is gray. Has mm-hmm. gray in it. Um, he, it time has passed. And so I looked up the, I went to fandom and like looked at the chronology that they've developed about like how much time everything took. It's five thousand and sixty five days, which I doing the math is something like. 13 years um, from from basically from the shootout with Rick and Shane to the end of episode 24, season 11. Hmm. Uh, it's thir- actually it's 14 years. It's 13.8 years. That's a huge passage of time. And that's yeah. why Judith is like a teenager now, right? Like yep. she is yep. she is basically in high school. Uh, and that's wild. Like they've told a fifth, a fourteen year story, uh, and I feel like it feels like that's the right amount of time in a way yep. for for yep. everything that's happened and all the time jumps that they've done. Yeah, um, I agree. So th- I just think that that's that's pretty cool. One of the most interesting things to me, and still kind of mind boggling, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this. Ha is um, in well in the fandom time, uh, accounting of the time, one of the biggest unexplained time passages is that the day that rick wakes up in the hospital in days gone by is actually something like day 56 or 59 or something insane like that 
Mm. Which that's that's that would be really difficult. Like because he gets shot on day zero or day one. Yeah. Goes into a coma. 60 days later, basically, he wakes up. Um, and according to their timeline, Shane and Lori leave King County or go try to go to Atlanta on day 17, I think. Which means he's in the hospital for 30 plus days. Yeah. With maybe by himself. Now, some people have uh, made an argument that there there are the webisodes like the oath, uh, mm-hmm. which show that there were still at least one doctor and one assistant in the hospital uh, after yeah, the military yeah, yeah. had left. Um, and maybe they were like refilling his IV or whatever, yeah. however they were keeping him alive. Yeah, but just even from a muscular like walking point of view, I don't know like how he would be i mean i guess maybe just from survival and adrenaline i suppose but his muscles would have been so atrophied right because even if they were filling those uh those iv bags nobody's like doing physical therapy or anything and even if they were he's still not like having any weight bearing anything on those muscles so i don't know maybe that's why he he rides the horse in i don't know and (laughs) falls off of that horse but he certainly wouldn't be able to to run i don't think uh but you know anyway i guess it's a mystery and we'll have to just yeah it's it's not worth like really going down a rabbit hole about but i just thought that it was interesting to look back and and look at that timeline and and consider just the scope of this story the series of stories that they've told and i think it was uh, an impressive project even though it had its low moments um kind of you know everything from season seven Season seven and eight, I would say, were very low moments in this show. Maybe half of nine. I don't know. When did Angela Kang take over? In nine. Probably in nine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so definitely feeling some some feelings uh, after after watching the end of that. I, and I know we've got some spinoffs, but I'm, I don't know how to feel about them yet uh, because, you know, the world beyond left us feeling kind of Short-changed. Sad and, and short-changed, yep. yeah. And <laughs> so. Fear the Walking Dead has only gone down the tubes. Uh, and I I mean, I haven't watched it now in a season. I have not. I have not so I, maybe it's like super good, but I, I won't believe that until I see some reviews that suggest that that's the case. And I'm not going to waste any I don't more know, time. Maybe, maybe you should check out some reviews in Forbes. That might help. <laughs> I think they've stopped writing about it. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, either way, we've got other things, things other than The Walking Dead coming up that we can talk about. We've got, you know, AMC's burgeoning vampire empire and witches that we can talk about. And we've got um, The Last of Us coming up in January. So there's yeah, so much good that. stuff. What the what there isn't a lot of are high profile movies in the works that we're hearing about. Um, some of the Korean projects that we were looking forward to for Netflix are kind of radio silent right now, but they sometimes just pop up and it's like, yeah, we're releasing yeah. next month. Yep. So, uh, so we'll have to, to keep an eye on that. Yeah. Uh, but do you have any final thoughts on The Walking Dead Prime that you wanted to share? I kind of waxed on about it. Um, Not not anything really more than I said. I, I think I echo your sentiments, too. I, I definitely had the feels, but I'm... And and there was a part of me that wished that there, you know, somehow like when you hear Angela Kane talking about how how she was hoping it would go, it makes me kind of wish that that vision is what they went with. But I get it and I understand why they couldn't do some of those things. And what are you going to do? I mean, you can't can't always negotiate like people's filming schedules or, you know, negotiate around the covid stuff. So. Um, I think it was probably about as good as you could could make it, um, even with some of the overly syrupy saccharin things that they decided to do. Um, and I'm going to miss it. I'm going to definitely miss this little world. But hopefully with some of the spinoffs, they they sort of satisfy that and maybe they take some of those best parts. Um, and hopefully somebody will be as t- as talented and good as Angela was in running those shows. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Um, but you know, it's it's been fun having the journey and this has been crazy. Um I can't believe that the show actually was on this long <laughs> this thing. And so yeah. 
seeing the thank yous from the actors at the end and it was like seeing that passage of time was kind of cool and actually that got me more than I thought it would so um so that was pretty cool um and anyway what do you want to talk about next time then oh my god the the horizon is is wide open uh what what what, do you have anything in mind I I would kind of like to talk about an interview with a vampire yeah we can do that so do do... let's do a couple episodes at a time and and start sure. diving into that and uh we'll we'll bring it back for um the last of us once that yeah. is aired and uh and, and then hopefully we'll have some more news about like all of us are dead season two if that's coming kingdom season three etc cetera, etc cetera, and we'll, we'll and we'll dig into that all right that sounds great Okay, so, uh, you know, thanks for coming along on this ride with us of all the seasons of The Walking Dead Prime. There will be more Walking Dead in our future, and that's hopefully a good thing. Uh, uh, <laughs> you can listen in on all of our episodes at reanimated.podbean.com. You can send us an email at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, my gosh, I almost pulled an H.A. Conrad right there. Well, this and... is why you do the outros because I can't even remember <laughs> the Podbean thing. So there you go. Yeah, uh, we're on Twitter at Reanimated Pcast. I've also created a, a an account for us on Hive, uh, which is a burgeoning Twitter competitor at Reanimated Pcast. I don't know. I haven't posted there very much, but I'm gonna have to get into the habit. Yep. Not that I post that much on Twitter either, because I'm terrible. Um, but we are trying to be out there and accessible. So if you want to get in touch, those are a few ways. Uh, and I hope you do. Yes. Uh, so until next time, ciao. Uh, thank you. And ta-ta.